Hi everyone, it's Peg Mulqueen here. But before we get started with the next episode of the Ashtanga Dispatch podcast, I wanted to read you something. It's a message I received just the other day from Johnny in California. Dear Peg, I just received my latest issue of the Ashtanga Dispatch magazine. I cannot express to you how supported I feel in my practice through Ashtanga Dispatch. My home shala is my sanctuary, and it's been a beautiful space to grow. But I depend heavily on your podcasts, website, and gorgeous print work to keep me connected. So thank you. You know, I feel like I should really be thanking him. Because I love when I get messages like Johnny's. You know, it's easy for me to lose track of the why as much as anyone. I get overwhelmed and stressed. You know, I'm still pretty new at all this podcasting and magazine producing stuff. But then Johnny's note shows up in my inbox at just the right moment, reminding me exactly why Ashtanga Dispatch exists. For me, just as much as Johnny or for you, to keep us all connected and inspired. Besides, Lord knows this yoga practice ain't always easy. Just ask my next guest, Tim Feldman. He'll tell you. Tim's had his fair share of struggles in the form of injury and pain. Some sustained from his years as a professional dancer and some still left over from a horrific accident many years ago that almost left him unable to ever walk again. And so while these pains didn't come from his yoga practice, it's also not something he or anyone can separate from practice either. In fact, when we spoke this past January, he was still dealing with a wrist injury that's been a real issue for some time now. And it's actually why I asked him to do this interview, for insight. Truth is, pain has a lot to teach us. I mean, not that I wish it on anyone, but I don't have to. It's inevitable for every single one of us. And as Tim admitted, it's during those times It's just so easy to walk away, even for him. But instead, he uses it as an opportunity to take a good hard look at how to practice and again, ask that very important question, why? Why we practice? Now, the first time Tim and I recorded a podcast, it was when he and Kino were in Mysore, but I was at home. Well, in this next episode, we're both there. And as you'll hear, there's really no hiding the fact that we're both in India. Especially since I made the brilliant decision to record this one outside. Yeah, my bad. Like I said, I'm still learning. Anyway, here's Tim Feldman as we talk about every Ashtangi's favorite subject, pain. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you back. It's great to be here. The last time we talked, you were in Mysore. That is true. There was an embarrassing pizza interview. <laughs> that I thought was, was uh, an article, but then it was a podcast. It was a podcast. Yeah. No. Good you didn't bring the images, though. Those were kind of probably worse. Okay, because you and Kino <laughs> were just getting back from Mysore. It was the two of you, and I was at home. And it's kind of neat, because I remember, I think back, as we're, of course, now here in Mysore. And I think back to that interview, and I remember the people on the streets, like, calling out, and I remember hearing all of those morning sounds, and now, like, I'm here, and I hear them. 
like the dogs. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and like them, them selling the herbs up and down yes. the streets when they call out. I know. I don't know what they're saying. They're, they're, they're naming um, what they sell. So some of them have aubergine. Some of them have vegetables. Some of them have herbs. Some of them have different things. So they call that out. And then they have their own little cat call. You know, so you know this guy go, and this one go, you know, so yes. they, so you know who's coming. It's just kind of cool because that, your interview, which was maybe like a year and a half ago, was kind of my first taste of talking to anybody while they were here. So it's kind of cool that we get to connect again and, and this time talking again, but here, I'm here too. Yes. <laughs> so I asked you to come on because, because I think you're awesome. Um, that's one. And number two, I noticed that you're dealing with an injury. Him? It's not your first injury, though. Oh, no. <laughs> Take me back, because I remember actually you talking. I took a workshop with you. Oh, my gosh. I'll date us both a long time ago. 19. More years. Oh, five. Yeah. <laughs> and you talked about then maybe your first injury in yoga like I know you were you were a dancer before yes yep and then a choreographer yep and let's see how good my memory is you actually you had a big injury I did talk about that for a second because I remember that was that was that's what brought you to yoga wasn't it you have good memory I'm so glad I'm not that old yeah, so when I was 25, I was, a, I was a dancer, and I went to Venezuela, and on a Friday, I went to a festival to teach and take some classes and hang out with my friends, and then um, on a Friday, we went up in the mountains, and uh, we were just trekking, and I fell off a ledge up there, and I fell down six, seven stories, <clears throat> you know, it's one of those where I miraculously didn't die. And um, I should have, probably. That's what they told me. And I broke my feet and my knees and my elbow and my nose and some shoulder stuff oh and all kinds of stuff. So <clears throat> uh, I had like a major thing there. The uh, Danish uh, government at that time offered me invalid pension. And I said, I'm not interested in that. And uh, they said, but what are you going to do with your life now? Because you surely cannot dance anymore. Right. But I was very young and ignorant and probably also very arrogant and I thought you don't know what you're talking about. So and then two years later I was like I for two years it took me to get well enough again. And two years later I was on stage in New York, which was really all I had in my mind that was to get back on stage. So and it happened. It uh, it was hard work though. So and those injuries are still with me, of course. You know, in yeah. the morning, I have a little morning routine, usually, uh, before I practice, where I kind of warm up all my old, you know, uh, uh, stuff, you know, to make sure that <clears throat> um, that they are just a little bit warm before I start to do stuff with them. And I do that whether I... Uh, whether it's a Monday or a Sunday or a Saturday or a 
practice there for the Do you have a warm up before? Yes, and when I go into you know a back bend, I know I have to be careful of that knee in that way, and have to be careful of that vertebra in my spine in that way, and uh, so forth. You notice the times when I've gotten hurt. Boy, I pay good attention. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like getting my attention, yeah. like a little bit of yeah. pain. Yeah, it's good. Pain is good for focus. Tarana comes with pain. Oof. Yeah, no doubt about it. So how did you heal? I mean, how? Do, I mean, and, and to be clear, like you're saying, yeah. those things still kind of have their effects still in the body. You know, once we oh, do yes. some major, that's that was pretty big. Yes, you know, there's. Um, here's one example. I have a, a the joint of my big toe, the metatarsal joint of my big toe on my right foot, is was broken pretty severely. And um, so if I come out of pincher, I will land more on my left than on my right. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Because it doesn't bend a lot. And if I do Jnana Shiva Shasana, see, I have a different angle on my foot, on my right foot than I have my left foot. You just stop like that. But um, no problem. So at what point did you come then to yoga? Well, <clears throat> I had that accident. And then after the accident, the, the government there, they offered me physical therapy. And with some divine luck, <clears throat> <clears throat> the physical therapist that I worked with, she worked with the Olympic team uh, in uh, the Olympics, um, kind of like, it's called Team, team Denmark, uh, which is the... A physical therapy clinic where all the Olympic athletes they go to when they have issues. So she happened to also work there. And as I was a, a professional dancer, she she uh, took extra good care of me. So she allowed me to use some of the equipment, and she we constantly checked in with her uh, superior superiors if they thought that she was giving me the right treatment. So, forth. so one of the things that they that they did for me was they borrowed me one of these swim vests that you can where you stand upright in water and you can jog yeah and they borrowed me that and they said don't tell nobody because we're not allowed to give you this one so they just borrowed me that and then I would go to a pool and I would jog uh, like no impact to start to get some stuff working again and then I started to do Tai Chi and then I did Alexander Technique because I couldn't really walk very well and when I got better in walking, I had all these weird mannerisms. <clears throat> so I, I did Alexander Technique to walk again. I did Tai Chi to get back on my legs. I did uh, lots of acupuncture. And I didn't have any money. So I went out to this wonderful Chinese acupuncturist and I said, Can we trade? Can I come and fix something in your house? Because I'm kind of handy. And she said, You could paint my fence. First she looked at me like, who the heck are you? And then she said, you know, it's okay. You can come paint my fence. So I would go and paint her fence, and I had all these braces on my legs and my knees, you know, don't join stuff to protect. And then she would give me acupuncture in the toe. And then what else did I do? I can hardly remember, like, you know, weight training and, and, and very gentle dance classes and some pilates and all, all kind of stuff. And luckily you know the body well. 
I mean, because this was yeah. your life. Yes. I, I, I had a formal, I have a formal training as a dancer, so, you know, something. But, you know, when you go through a process like this, that's when you learn. And I got so much more technical in the use of not only the parts of my body that were injured, but my whole body as, 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 as an entity. And I still use that a lot. I feel that sometimes in Ashtanga Yoga, I feel that that is a little undervalued. I feel that technique is really wonderful for getting myself and any other practitioner I work with um, to not be in the way of myself. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. If we approach a little bit anatomically incorrect, we are more likely to be in our own way. And if we can, if we can go in uh, working on the premises and the language of the body and the construction of the body and we know how that is, then we can... Uh, we're more likely to succeed and we're more likely not to hurt ourselves again. Because as dancers, you, you would normally go into a functional way of movement, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to, and, it, and it's an embodied, mm-hmm. right? It's a, it's a flow. It's an embodiment. It's not a, I'm going to bend my elbow here and take my shoulder at 90 degrees, you know, or degrees. And Well, yes, both. You have movement and then you have position. In, in dance, you have static and motion. You have both. So, if you take some of like classical uh, dance, for instance, is very focused on moving from position to position to position. You have to hit these um, very, very through centuries almost defined shapes, and then how you go from one shape to another. So, that is that, def- that that defines the level of your dancing. So how you hit the positions maybe uh, defines your technique, but how you move between them is whether you're a good dancer or not. And in modern dancing, there is a little bit more freedom in those positions. You do not often in modern dance, contemporary dance, postmodern dance, and so forth. You do not need to hit them just as hard, just as perfectly. But it is the eye is more. Um, drawn towards the motion itself. So I think that's what you mean with the yeah. flow. So, yeah. yeah. So we didn't get into how this brought you to yoga. Oh, yes. But, go ahead, go, tell. Yes, and then after two years of doing all these different modalities, and I started to, to take classes again, dance classes, and I started to do some small pieces and my some small choreographies again, my friends, they said to me, man, you dance better than you walk because I had a severe limp because one, one leg could straighten and the other one could not and some stuff like that. But um, so after two years, I went back to New York and uh, lo and behold, I got a job. And, um, and the choreographer didn't care that my left knee didn't straighten entirely. Didn't straighten entirely. Um, and while I was in New York and dancing for him, I went and took my first dance class at Jiva Mukti back in the days at Second Avenue in the orange, black, purple, or uh, gold uh, studio. That was fun. Um, and in those days, the Jiva Mukti style was much more Ashtanga based. <clears throat> it was before they made a big revision of right. the way too. I remember so, that. Yeah. So during that uh, time, I got in contact with Ashtanga Yoga a little bit without knowing and then it was so amazing like my body really absorbed and was I could feel 
literally from down dog to down dog how my knees and how my body was healing from this stuff, uh, from these, this type of movement. And uh, I did that for about four years, I think. And then in the late 90s, I had moved back to Denmark. Um, and I met Lino Mille. He came by there and I took his workshop and uh, realized that there was something called Ashtanga Yoga and decided that that was even more funky to do. <laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting. So it was like you, you rehabilitated and learned how to dance, right? You mm-hmm. yourself, you pretty much kind of took over that. But it was yoga then that taught you how to come back to life, like outside of the the stage, outside of dance, like to walk down the street to. How do you mean? Yeah, well, the way you're saying it, you said that your friend said you could dance, mm. but you couldn't walk down the street. Like right. you were still yeah. limping, and it's yeah. funny that. It was yoga, because I just think that that's the practice. I think sometimes we think that we're coming to practice so we can get better at practice. Yeah. But we're coming to practice so we can get better at life, like walking down the the street, you know? Yes, no doubt about it. You know? Yes. I think uh, my rehabilitation process was really a big tapestry of different techniques uh, that I would kind of graduate from one to the other and the yoga and the dancing was the last step towards that like learning to walk I would more benefit I would more uh, be grateful to my mother who's an Alexander Technique teacher who was the one who uh, who taught me how to walk uh, without oh, a, I love that without a wonky limp <laughs> you know so second time she taught you how to walk Yes, yeah, it's true. Yes, you might have to do it again. But I, I, I agree with you. We come into the yoga shala and then and we come in often to get like a flat belly or something like that. And then we, after a while, we start to realize that it's like the flat belly of our lives that we're learning in there. And we really start to uh, get our hands on some uh, mechanics about how to live a more fulfilling life. That's what That's kind of what I mean. I was just yeah. kind of saying, ironic. Yeah. So it had. So then, you would think with an injury that big mm-hmm. and that serious, mm-hmm. and that you made a recovery. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, "Whew, I'm done. I got my big one out of the way." And um, statistically, you don't fall down. That's right. Twice, kind of thing. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, that you're good. Like you. Yeah, you shouldn't have another big one. Well, you could say that, <clears throat> and I don't feel I've had another big one. Like, okay. This risk comparatively is nothing. True. So, but um, it has great effect on my what I what I'm trying to do. But well, tell us what is the risk, other than, or maybe yes. you're just doing that for attention. I'm yes, <laughs> I'm just having this big purple this. brace on for attention only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, oh yeah. wait, wait! I want everybody to know mm. this is somebody backing up their car. Mm. It plays Christmas music because mm. we're gonna have to mm. let this play. Mm. <laughs> he's back up. Okay, hopefully he's done. Um, Silent up. night can stop. Yes. So tell tell me what did happen with your wrist. <laughs> 
Well, <clears throat> technically what I have, I have a sca- scaphoid lunate dissociation, which is two tiny bones in the base of the hand, which is the foundational uh, bones of the hand <clears throat> that creates the, the structure, the foundation of the hand. And there's a ligament that attaches these two bones together, and that tying is what the rest of the hand somewhat build on. Now, I broke that ligament, so therefore the foundation of my hand is compromised, and what should be sturdy and steady and strong is moving and flexible, which is not very useful. <clears throat> it's kind of like being drunk on your legs, you know, when you dance. So, <clears throat> and um, fortunately, my very wonderful uh, uh, hand specialist in Miami, has convinced me that there is no good process to fix this, like surgically. They can fix it, but it's not a very steady fixing, and it'll likely break again if they do. So, and I didn't just take her word for it. I saw four other uh, doctors, like the two of the top doctors in New York, and they told me kind of the same thing. And uh, just, I just had to make sure I got the right information. Cost me a few bucks to get that. I bet. <laughs> but, uh, so that's what's going on with me. And and how did it happen? I'm not quite sure. Like, I know that I was teaching and I was helping a lady. I was lifting her and it said pop in my left hand and I kind of lost, lost that hand. Um, but of course, that shouldn't have happened, you know. Right. And what right. they assume is that there's a precondition and it was the last straw. And there's a couple of possibilities of what that precondition could be. One thing is I had a small, slow-speed motorcycle accident where I fell off and landed on my left hand. It could be that. But it could also be wear and tear over many years. So You don't know. I don't know. So then you had to quit practicing because there are so many chaturangas in the Ashtanga series. So Well, I had to quit chaturanga <laughs> but I didn't have to quit practicing. So. Okay, this is a big deal because the reason why your wrist is a big deal, there's a lot of things you can work around. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, in the practice, yeah. That are easier to work around. You know, if you have a pain in your knee, which I've also tried, because, of course, in yoga, because my knees are somewhat vulnerable from the shattering back in 92, <clears throat> um, it's easier to deal with. In Ashtanga Yoga, we're spending such a, so much time on our arms, balancing on our arms, whether Chaturati, uh, whether it's downward facing dog, upward facing dog, jumping back, jumping through, all that stuff. So when you have a wrist, arm, shoulder, elbow kind of injury, then you take that out. And it's a little bit, it feels like you're not doing Ashtanga Yoga anymore. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Like, if I'm not jumping back and forth and doing Chitwari, then what am I doing? I'm sitting here doing an asana and then doing another asana. It is doing asana without vinyasa suddenly, and that becomes, that's another style. It's another method. So that's a little, it, it takes your head for a spin. Takes your head for a spin. Yeah. Isn't that funny, the way you said that, and not your, you didn't use it in body terms. No, no, you know, your mind goes a little crazy, like at least mine do- did, does, because it goes, what am I doing? Am I still doing Ashtanga Yoga? 
am I even doing yoga or am I doing physical therapy? Is it still like a spiritually oriented practice or is it just purely taking care of broken matter? Or what am I doing here? And if it, if this just is physical therapy, then is this the best way to go? And, you know, so a lot of questions comes up. That question that you just said, what am I doing? Mm. You know, that's that's the one that hits you. You know, like, you think you, your practice is defined in a certain way, mm. um, you know, for a long time. Mm. And different things happen, you know. I mean, I do remember the first time I thought that, and that was my shoulder was separated. Mm. And I remember I went to go lower. I'd been, like, just trying to bust through it, just trying to ignore it something is hard just hit it harder right yeah that's kind of what I was thinking and I just remember one day I I I will never forget this I just put my belly to the ground and I cried and I left I rolled up my mat and I left and I just thought I can't practice this anymore I don't know what I'm doing like I don't know what I'm doing here like I can't even I can't lower myself down I can barely I mean, it was just so painful and I just thought I'm, I just can't do this anymore. And I went home and I cried and I felt sorry for myself, you know, yes, I did, yes. you know, tail between my Orange. legs and felt yeah. bad for myself. Then we get self-pity or we get anger. I, I, both. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I remember that was when I asked myself, well, what is this to me? Hmm. Then what does this mean to me? If that's what, how it's defined hmm. is whether I can lower. And so I rethought like, what can I do hmm. instead of what can't I do? And yeah. like, okay, well, actually holding high plank helped for me because it was a shoulder and it was an instability, but lowering down didn't. So I decided I would start to do the things that I could do instead of, but it was a moment. Yes. It was a moment where I was like, why am I here? What am I doing? What is this practice? Who am I when things are not in my favor? Yeah. I think that's an important moment to, to to realize that there is and to accept that there's a new reality and to let that moment hit us clear and usually that hits hard because mm-hmm. if there's something that we want <clears throat> we would very much like to change reality to embrace that and it's not like always possible to do that <laughs> and an injury is a very good example of that so that was your epiphany moment there Oh, I've had more, but yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I've had more tears walking away. Like, what is this? But I will say every time, and I know this isn't going to surprise you because you, Mm. you speak to this a lot about, Mm. I hate to say pain in the practice because Mm. it it starts to make it sound like pain is a good thing or whatever. But Mm. I will say those moments where I've had those, I call them like a come to Jesus moment, you know, Mm. I've, I've come back with a deeper understanding. I've come back with, uh, yeah, like cutting through some of the layers. Yeah. Cutting through some of the layers. Whereas, so maybe Chaturanga has defined it, you know, up until that point. Maybe my strength, maybe my ability to execute things defined it up till then. After that, it switched to something. It was, it went a little deeper then. Mm. And then further times that happened. But pain always did precipitate it. I hate to say that. You know, I think Uh, reflection is the only way to learn. You know, we have an experience and people always say it's like experience is what it's all about. But I think that actually 
the reflection on the experience is what it's all about. <clears throat> and and it just happens to be so that we are much more willing, I should speak for myself, that I am much more willing to uh, reflect when things are not going my way than when they're going my way. When everything is just hunky-dory and fun and great and everything is working, I'm looking ahead. And it's probably that's how it should be. <clears throat> but when things are a little bit difficult or when, I, when my wrist is broken or when I have no more money in my bank account, I start to reflect on where I am now. So there's something about trouble that brings us to the present moment. And trouble, suffering, pain, that's kind of the same. Cousins, family, brothers and sisters. So I am personally of the opinion of the experience that <clears throat> that whole realm which can seem so nasty and something that we just want to avoid, that that is a significant player to get anywhere with ourselves, to understand ourselves, to understand the world, and not just live on a kind of surfing, skating surface of life. Well, I think, do you think that part of it is like, we want to know, we want to be certain of something, you know, like, and then when things like this happen, it adds that uncertainty. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I don't know. Don't know if it's going to get better or not. No, no, if it's going to get better. You know, I, and I've been having one of those moments actually while I've been here right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm here in my swords, beautiful, sunny, it's, I get to practice in the morning and go have Italy after and meet with cool people like you. At home, my dad just got out of the hospital. My husband has been struggling with his back. And, you know, my son's in college. And all of a sudden, I'm like, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? Why am I here? Why am I practicing? Like... And, and not to mention the political climate. You know what I mean? There's a lot of things on my mind thinking to myself, what am I, what does this practice mean to me? How am I bettering the world or my life or my loved ones by my yoga practice? And it, it's a struggle right now for me. Like I'm, I'm actually just kind of struggling with that a little bit. I think it's important to reflect on that because <clears throat> while we go on our little piece of plastic and then get a flat tummy and uh, feel great and very spiritual, there's real other people have real problems out there, and it can just be kind of like hiding in the closet from that, or just completely lack of empathy, you know, to go around and and practice yoga all day and look better and better and feel better and better but completely disconnected. So I think that's it. And you just said it, empathy. Mm. And I do think that's something that these pains, my struggles, that does, those questions bring a little more empathy, don't you think? No doubt about it. Because when we are in pain ourselves, we start to see how other people are in pain. <clears throat> and so we start to understand other people a little bit more and we go through a whole process of uh, uh, 
you know, it, it's very difficult to be like up on yourself, to be behind yourself, part of yourself when you are at your worst. And if that at your worst or at your at least at a level lower level than you actually think you are at, <clears throat> and if you find that for a continuous amount of time out amongst other people, then there's some humility, some humbleness, some um, empathy with ourselves and other people that just has to develop, or you kill yourself. <laughs> it's just too. It's just too sad. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Just too hard. So, well, how have you shifted since since this injury? Since this injury, how has your idea of practice, in any way, physical or otherwise, or has it? I don't. Well, know. I know physically it had to shift. You know, my body's kind of. I have strong in some way, but there's I have many places that are very fragile, so they come and go on. And uh, I've tried many, many times. Like, for instance, I have a clavicle that pops out from time to time. Again, injury from way back there. And uh, usually when that pops out, it takes me a year where I have to modify <clears throat> certain things. So... Um, you have to be the most patient person in the world now. <laughs> it, did, it developed lots of patience. I bet it did. But, you know, lots of... Develop like it. It has given me the opportunity to take a really good look at this yoga stuff and figuring out if I want it, because it would be easy to walk away to something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. my body, like oh, I have so many excuses to walk away, but I ha- I realized <clears throat> um, that this is what I want to do. You know whether I can or not. I want. <laughs> This. There's that dancer in you. I'm Same gonna get back dance. on stage. I'm not gonna. Yeah. What you love? Yes, I love that to do that, and I love this now, and it feels right for me, and uh, I feel like it. Uh, I like the person it brings out of me. In me, yeah. I like the person it brings out of me. I like the cultivation of something deeper inside of me that I did not necessarily know was there, which grows and which is extremely attract, attractive to me so uh, um, so the fact that I cannot do the like a hot shit chaturanga you know that I can live with you know and I'll just slowly figure out how to get as close to that chitwadi as I can and just you know first it's being on your elbows and your belly and next it's being on your elbows and your knees and next it's being on your elbows and your feet and then next it's being on your knuckles and then you do that a couple of days and realize that that was a bit too much and then you go back to step one again and then you go a little slower next time and then slowly you figure out how to build it back up and <clears throat> right now here in, in Mysore, uh, India uh, so for seven months I've been practicing basically a very modified primary series um, uh, no jump backs, no jump throws, and that kind of stuff. And I come in and I say to uh, uh, Sharat, who saw me when I had my arm immobilized in the attempt to get better, like in a cast in June. And I say to him, I'm not sure what to do. What do you think I should do? 
and I expected him to say just to primary. And he said, tomorrow you start intermediate again. You do intermediate. And I got all what? scared. I was like, oh, I haven't... You Ooh, thought you thought you had it figured out. I thought he was going to do like soft physical therapy with me. <laughs> he just said, "Get back at the horse boy." And then I've been slowly uh, uh, modifying. And I showed him the first week. I said, "He said, okay, I do this asana like this," and he was just like, "No problem." And then over the course of this one month and one month and a half, I've been here. I just see my. Uh, wrist get better day by day and then with that also I kind of had a bit of a frozen shoulder from the immobilization yep. my whole left side very weak and some days I feel it is more my shoulder and my rotator cuff strength and my shoulder saddle strength which is the problem than my wrist so it's like it's like a puzzle I need to put back together and when I'm less strong in my shoulder I put more weight on my wrist so that means I gotta take a little time and not so much judge upon my wrist, but judge upon my shoulder and try to get the shoulder back in place. And then that's a little, that gets a little bit stronger. And then I can go back to, the, you know what I mean? But isn't so it so that. cool that when you think about primary series versus intermediate, mm. you can see even why intermediate actually might be more accessible in yeah. some ways. Uh, Shara, or I think Sherrod's point was... Let's get you off all those weight bearings on your Right. Hand. But my main problem was not the weight bearing, actually. My, my, my main problem was pulling, grabbing, holding. Because, it, because of that ligament, it feels like when like I pull a car door open, it feels like my hand is being pulled off my lower arm. But isn't that also primary, so too? Isn't that a lot of... There's a lot of holding your toe. Yeah, it's a lot of holding your toe and foot. I mean, it's... I couldn't do Upavista Kunasana. Yeah. I couldn't do Upahirakastasana. I couldn't do Uchidastakadangastasana. I couldn't, like, that was... Oh. Sorry. There are so many things that I just couldn't do. Like, that was so simple, you know. So, like... Yeah. Like, I would do Uchidastakadangastasana. Uh, I would hold my left foot with my right hand and I hold my right foot with my right hand because that is just how it is but it's also one interesting that you know there's a perception again that Ashtanga that the correct method would not allow for such things I think there's maybe a misunderstanding oh I think so like Kuruji, he used to say all the time, he used to say, yoga is scientific method. And scientific method <clears throat> is the empirical method. You take from step from point A to point B, from point B to point C, and you evaluate, you go back, you make sure you didn't oversee something. So the same thing here, like a primary series is made for a body which is functional, which is which which works. If there's any issue along that way, we address that. For instance, there was one year <clears throat> I was here where in the afternoon there was a Japanese couple, an elderly couple, and she didn't have any feet. She had been amputated at both her legs in the middle of her uh, shins. 
So when she was doing, and she had these prostheses that she would be walking with, but when she was doing yoga, she would take them off, I suppose they told her to. So she would do everything on her knees. And um, Saraswati was there teaching them, Guruji was there teaching, giving them lots of attention. And they would, she was doing a full, like I think she did like half primary series, just with no feet. And the modification that they did with her was just very simple and logical. You know, you can't stand on your feet, well, stand on your knees. You can't jump forward to your feet, jump forward to your knees. You know, you can't hold your big toes in Paschimottanasana, hold something else, put your hands on the ground. Again, it's that shift from what I can't do to what can you do. Yeah, and it's just that, you know, and I... And I feel that learned me, that taught me a lot to see that. It's like, basically we all have our invalidations somewhere or another, you know, whether they are visible or not, whether they are very pronounced or not. So if, so in some way we all miss a foot or two, you know, and we just got to figure out how to work with that. And uh, to the degree of, of invalidation that we have. You know, so. what it comes down to then is it becomes less physical and more going back to what you started with. It's a mind thing. Yeah, it's how we understand yeah. it and how we see it because it's so simple. You said like you looked at me and you were like, well, "Yeah, it's what you can do, not what you can't." It's it's really that simple. Yeah, and yet I think if we allow ourselves to be exploratory and and inquire in like you did when you had your what, what was the injury that shoulder was? your shoulder and you said I cannot do tutorial and for a moment you thought all is lost and you you embraced that you sat there with the stone in your shoe for a moment which I think is incredibly important to be able to get back on the horse in the right way and then the next day, or whenever it was, you came back and you say, all right, let me see what can I do. That's really all it is. And then after a while, you realize what I did yesterday, I can do today, and there's no pain. And actually, I feel a little bit better. And then three days later, you will do that, and then you will add one little piece. And then three days later, you will do that and that, and then another little piece. And slowly, before you know it, you're back on the horse. It might be a week, it might be a month, it might be a year, it might be 10 years. And how long does it take? It doesn't really matter. The process, then, yeah. is where it's at. Yeah, and we feel the bettering, right? We really, it's like when we learn advanced asana, we realize that all that stuff we were doing the advanced asana is available in the simpler asana in the primary series. And if we just focus on it and go there, we can, we can uh, access that access that we can but it's just in a slightly milder form I think that's the, for me that's one of the most satisfying uh, discoveries from doing uh, more advanced asana that is that it's then simple so all I need to do is work on the basics work on the basics work on the foundation and then there's the more advanced that will come so, so even when we have a shoulder that can carry weight, we can still work on all that stuff except carrying weight in that way, in that shoulder. And then when the shoulder gets ready again, we're 
pretty much straight back. We just need a little bit more strength and then we're back to where we were again. I feel that a little bit. If there's someone out there, and I feel pretty confident that there is, who is struggling, who feels like they either have an injury, a very physical injury, um, maybe they're struggling in their practice as they're aging and things feel differently, whatever it is, what advice would you give them right now? Right now, there's somebody, somebody out there right now is at that place going, this practice is no longer for me. Like, I can't do it. I don't belong. For whatever reason. What do you say? Well, I've been in my soul so many times next to my friends who is progressing because they're, they're of no injuries progressing and getting more asanas and certified and all that kind of stuff where I would like to take back because some part of my body would give out down here again. And... Um, I would say, first of all, like we said before, work with what you can. And also, don't be embarrassed if you hurt yourself in, in yoga. We all do it all the time. Whether we stretch a little bit too much here, we get a little too sore here or something like that. So, so we, we all do that. I've, I've found over the years that some people get very embarrassed when they hurt themselves in Asana, yeah. because we think we're supposed to be so spiritually and emotionally mature. So we shouldn't be doing this and this healing spiritual practice. And I think that's a bunch of BS. It is also a very, our practice is a very physically demanding um, activity. And any physically demanding activity will... Um, challenge our body and give us a little ticky and a little this, that, and a little bit there. The question is how much injury uh, we get, at, uh, or what level of, of injury uh, that we get. But in my opinion, it gives us the possibility when we have a problem to figure out, do I want to do this or not? And am I willing to go through this? And whether we're willing to go through this has to do with how much we need it or how much we love it. And, and how strong the motivation is to come back. If the mo motivation is low and we just did it to get, you know, fit, we might just do spinning instead. You know, and that's fine. Then go back to spinning and do that instead. And that'll make you fit. But if there was more than that in your practice, then now is the time you figure it out. When you have a problem, that's when you start to be able to know whether this is for you or this is not for you. Thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Peg. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for sharing. Sorry I was late. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. okay. No, this is great. I really, really do appreciate it. I know these things are not they're not they're not easy. But damn, I think sometimes I hate to say it, is there wood? Here. I know, I was just going to do yeah. it too. Yeah, <laughs> I learn my best lessons from those times, from the times when I'm not certain, from when I question. And the most growth in me comes from those moments. But then I say that because I don't really want to wish it on me either. Like, I'm like, I got enough to work with right now. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan in questioning 
I think it's the most important thing you can do. Thanks for listening today. But before you go away, I wanted to let you know that the third issue of the Ashtanga Dispatch magazine is finally here. And I promise you, this one was worth the wait. It's our thickest magazine yet, featuring even more from your favorite teachers like John Scott, Taylor Hunt, Christine Hoare, Scott Johnson, Patrick Nolan, Zoe Ward, and of course, Sharat and Saraswati Joyce. Not to mention a first-timer's guide to Mysore, India by Amy Echo, as well as Ashtanga Yoga's advanced series, beautifully demonstrated by Olivia Sue. You can find this issue, along with the first two issues, on the website, ashtangadispatch.com. Next, I'd really like to thank all of you who are supporting our show through your monthly contributions over at patreon.com. Honestly, we couldn't produce this podcast without you. If you're not a member yet, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com backslash Ashtanga Dispatch. You'll get access to additional interviews and behind the scenes access not available anywhere else. I appreciate all your support. You really are my why and the reason Ashtanga Dispatch exists in the first place. The Ashtanga Dispatch podcast is edited and produced by Chris Lucas and hosted by me, Peg Queen. Thanks again for tuning in. Shall